Alright. So, we're going to start with prayer, because I need it. Father, I thank you so much for this chance to talk about technology and ministry. Lord, we understand that ministry is primarily about people. And the use of technology is simply a means for us to have access to more people, to reach them more effectively and in a way and through a medium that connects better with them. And so, Father, as we talk about this topic, uh, I ask, Lord, that first and foremost, Christ would be glorified. And then also that his saints would be equipped to do the work of the ministry to which you have called them. I thank you so much for this opportunity. And I ask, Lord, that I would communicate um, what you have given with clarity and with passion. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you're probably here for one or two reasons. Either you're already convinced that technology is important and you want to see what I have to say about it, or you're not quite sold on it. Either way, I want to be an asset to you. And so here's our rationale. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. Technology is an incredible asset that, when leveraged correctly, can facilitate growth in the body of Christ. That's the assumption uh, from which we are operating. Okay. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, I pastor a church in Lockford, California. We're in a small ag community, um, and it's a very, very small church. Been there, it'll be nine years in August. Uh, I'm a father of six, four here, two in glory, who are already perfected, so I don't have to worry about them. Uh, Jesus is taking care of them. Praise yeah. God. Um, I want to convince you that technology is important if you're not already convinced. So first, I want to take note of Paul's approach and his passion. 1 Corinthians 9, 18-23. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul says, I'm going to do whatever I can to reach people, right? Is that our heart? Should be. Yeah. Okay. I'm going, to do, I'm going to use whatever medium. I'm going to do anything I can to reach people. Uh, I, I should clarify anything ethically, right, that I can uh, to reach people. But then we also have um, an important commendation in 1 Chronicles 12.32. says, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. When we put these two passages together, right? One, doing anything we can to reach people with the gospel. Two, having an understanding of the times. When we put those together, a picture emerges. We need to understand our times. Okay? We need to understand our times. We need to use any and all tools available to us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to run through a list of technology that is beneficial in ministry. I'm going to give you the why. I'm going to give you the how. I'm going to give you the what to avoid. I'm going to make some notes on areas each segment of technology can have an impact. Uh, I am also going to have Edwin do part of this because there's some, some things that I don't know, and he does. So we're going to do that in a bit. The first thing I want to talk about is a website. 
Um, this is basic. If you don't have a website, uh, you need to. Okay. Um, if you don't, and here's why: if you don't have a website, there are people who will never come to your church. Now, some of you are saying, "Man, that's a really harsh statement." Well, let me illustrate it. Uh, I'm 35. Uh, my bride is 30. Going to be 33. She's 32. Uh, right? Am I wrong? You're going to be 32. Well, always mess myself up. You know, I get into trouble when I start to do this. I shouldn't have even tried. Right? You know. Uh, so. I'm somewhat younger there. Uh, depending on who you ask, I'm a millennial, right? When we moved to Lockford uh, and we were looking for a chiropractor, we did not open the telephone book, right? What I did is I did an online search. And so if a chiropractor didn't have a website, they're off our radar completely, right? We don't even consider them. And if we go on their website and it looks like it was built on uh, Windows 95 and has never been updated, we will not go to that chiropractor. The same thing is true for your church. Okay? So, uh, so it's, it's not just that you don't have one. If it's, if it's outdated or poorly constructed, you have the same problem. Okay? Um, in the info that I have for you, there's an article. Uh, so you have two handouts. One is notes. The other one is resources. You should have two handouts. If you don't, they're over here. The, Okay, the second one is resources, just um, um, things, tips, ideas. In that is a website to an article by a guy named Austin Savage. And this is what he says in the article. He says, well, I recognize there's a growing number of churches who are intentional about their website. I worry that group is the minority. And I can't emphasize enough how much this matters. Here's the key. Young people are literally using your website to decide whether or not to come to your church. What does yours communicate? This this is not a joke. This is and, and I'm trying to. I want to be gracious, but I also want to be really blunt. Okay, there's people who will never come to your church if you don't have a website. And if they get on your website and all they see is ads for weird things, like we did this when I first came to our church, we did a free website. All right, and when one of the guys in the church finally calls me up and he's like, "Hey, I was on our website and there was this ad that had that was like the opposite of our doctrine to this church that was," and we're like, "Okay, we're we're getting rid of the ads." Some of you are like, "Oh, it's free." There's things you can do for like $13 a month, all right? You can have a website. It's, it's very inexpensive without the ads um, that are contrary to what you're trying to communicate. Uh, so in your packet, I have some top church website companies. I included the one that we use. Um, I want to give you another reason to have a website. It gives you a global outreach, okay? I mentioned I pastor a church that's pretty small. Um, we have 60 people. Uh, that's as of this year. Um, uh, earlier last year, we would have had 23 people, all right? Last year, we had 1,711 people visit our website from 25 countries. 63 people read the gospel message on our website. Okay, I have 60 people in my church. 63 people read the gospel message and 1,700 people visited our website from 25 countries. I have a global outreach in my tiny little church because I have a website. Okay. Um, so, a well-designed and maintained website is an invaluable tool for our stewardship of the Great Commission. If you don't have one, get one. Um, that I can't say it any uh, better than that. Okay. Just to echo you, a lot of people before, back in the day, it was we spend money and we pay for to have our name in the yellow pages. Yes. This is the updated version of that. Yeah. How many How many people used to pay to have their name in the phone book or in the newspaper, right? Both of those are toast. <laughs> Take that money, 
by a website. Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you. Good. Can I just, you know, we have a local paper, it's a small paper, it comes out bi-weekly. Sure. I've been, we've been writing articles, <laughs> me and a couple other pastors in the community, to, to engage those who call themselves Christians but don't go to church. Yeah. To try to challenge them in regard to the value of a church and the, and the essential nature of all believers in the community being part of a church. Well, I wrote an article this, discussing and describing the function of the body. So it was this, uh, titled, Paralysis or Dementia, Which Would You Choose? And it talked about the effects of people calling themselves Christians not being involved. Sure. Well, the editor to the, mat, to the paper totally dismissed by editing my article without my permission. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a second article that was to go, um, and I just... And when the second one, she come out, and I said, don't do that again. Well, without informing. And the second article had more adjustments to it than the first one. Mm-hmm. And I just said, don't put my article in. Just yeah. stop. And then I heard that thing the other day about Church Plant Commission talking about the different ways I could get on. That's why I'm here today. Yeah. So, great point. Like, you put stuff in a newspaper, you don't know what they're going to do to it. Right? You put it on your own website. If something happens to it, it's probably your own fault, right? Or someone in your church uh, decided that they didn't like what you said. Um, so, yeah, great point that we have the ability now to to publish our own stuff on our own sites that it can be unedited and unchanged. Great, great. Unless it's by your wife. Yeah, unless it's by my wife. She catches my mistakes all the time. I then, mean, I mean, even big theological ones. She catches. Them. Then it's not changes; it's improvements, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The second area I want to talk about is is PowerPoint. Okay, um, there's a lot of similar programs. Uh, Proclaim is the one that Logos built. Uh, Pro Presenter. There's a lot of them. Um, this is almost as vital as a website, uh, and here's why: to make a message memorable, engage your audience with as many senses as possible. Okay, engage them with as many senses as possible. Um, with the use of technology, it's fairly simple to engage eyes and ears. Uh, there's, but I want to caution you. On a couple things. One, use pictures uh, that are either unlicensed or that you have paid for. Do not just do a Google image search and rip a image out of there. Um, it could be copyrighted, and uh, and and you'll get in trouble for that. Okay. There's there's plenty of sites that have free stuff. Um, there's also ones that you can pay for a subscription for it. Um, secondly, do not use poor quality images. Um, nothing says. We don't really know what we're doing as a pixelated image uh, that you can barely tell what it is, right? Use high-quality um, images. Uh, thirdly, don't overuse it. Now, there, there's a balance here. Um, I never used uh, PowerPoint until I came to the church that I'm at, and I started using it because a lady um, was basically deaf. And she said, uh, I can't hear what you're saying. The only thing that I'm going to get out of your message is what's up on the screen. So I use PowerPoint really extensively, um, whereas other people, depending on your demographic, you may not need to do that. It may be more distracting to do that. So you got to know your congregation to a certain degree. Um, I use it extensively because I have a lot of people who can't hear me. <laughs> uh, now, And there's only so much that we can do through, um, through good uh, sound system, right? If, if they can't. Here, uh, your sound system may or may not uh, help that. So, uh, and then four, put relevant content on it. Um, don't put something that is detracting from your message. Don't put something that's going to distract them and make everyone be like, oh, well, that's a really cool picture. And then, you know, you're like two paragraphs later and no one knows what you said because they're distracted. So, so put relevant content um, on, on your PowerPoint. Um, 
if I could turn my page, I'd keep going. Okay, one of our um, one of the pastors in my regional um, expressed that his use of PowerPoint is what really connected with his younger audience. Um, he would put uh, image or things if he was going to do an illustration. He'll put up a picture that helps connect to that illustration, um, and it really helped him uh, with his younger audience. So um, I've, again, I found it a great just for people who are hard of hearing uh, to use that. With Logos Advancements, if you have Logos Bible Software, um, I write my sermons in Logos Bible Software because I can highlight text and and click a button and it builds the PowerPoint for me, and then I just export it and I'm done. Okay, so um, there's there's tools that make this easier. So um, that's PowerPoint. Again, I'm I'm moving pretty quick. Uh, we're hoping to have time for questions at the end. But so you need to have a website. It's it's really good idea to use PowerPoint if you can. The next uh, area I want to talk about is texting, emailing, and messenger. Um, here's the thing about my generation, and especially those that are younger, we don't like to talk on the phone. Okay, um, me waiting for my phone to stop ringing so that I can use it again. The audacity of someone uh, someone has to try and call me in 2017. Right? Okay. This is if you if you were to search the internet, you would find a lot of uh, these are called memes. A lot of memes of people who are like, imagine someone trying to call you without texting first. That is my generation. So if you want to connect with these younger people, text. Learn. That's something that that is very important to learning how to do. Um, it's not going to change. By the way, we're not going to. Uh, my generation is not going to magically start using uh, our phones to call people anytime soon. It's it's probably not going to happen. Um, so learn how to text, email, message, snap. Uh, if those things are like, <sighs> it's not as scary as you think. Okay, I could I could walk you through exactly how to do it, but it's actually better just go on to YouTube. Type in exactly what you want to do, and trust me, there is a video that will walk you step by step how to do it. Okay, um, probably better than I could anyway. Um, so th- there's four areas that this is beneficial. Okay, the first is ministry. Ministry. Younger people will text difficult questions that they will never ask you in person. Okay, um, I know uh, a speaker who <laughs> he was talking to a younger audience, and he was like, "If you have any questions, text me." He was up till three a.m. answering all of the questions that were texted to him. They would never have lined up to ask him those questions at the end of the session, but they would text them to him. Okay, um, uh, I, I have a young guy in my church who texts me at all hours of the night. Right, so my phone's always on. I roll. My wife can tell you, I roll over, grab my phone, and I text him. Right. And, and that has been such a benefit to him, knowing that anytime he has a question, even if it's 3 a.m., I'll, I'll write him back. Okay? Um, uh, second area, family. Family. Uh, here, so if you're a grandparent, here you go. Ready? Grandkids text. They may not come visit you at your house. Uh, they may not be able to. They may be across the country. But they'll text you if you text back. Right? Um, they text. Uh, also, your own siblings, uh, your own kids, uh, all these kinds of people. It's just, a, it's just a great way to stay in contact with people. Uh, thirdly, uh, IFC regional leadership. Um, one of the things I do, I try to do, um, is I send an encouraging text out to my fellow uh, Northern California pastors every so often. Uh, if I don't have phone numbers for them, I'll Facebook message them. Right. Uh, another thing I've done is um, I, I like to listen to podcasts, but... Um, I don't really like to listen to preachers that I don't know. I like to listen to guys I know. That's just me. So I'll find some of you guys. I've listened to your sermons. If you have them online and stuff like that, I'll look them up and listen to them, right? 
And what I try to do after that is I send him a text. Hey, I listened to this sermon. Great job, right? I really liked how you said, you know, whatever it might be. It's a way for us to encourage one another, all right? Um, so uh, you can actually, if you wanted to encourage your, your leadership or something like that, you can, type, you can write out a text and just copy and paste it um, later on. Uh, and the, it's, it's fairly easy to do. Fourth area is marriage. Text your spouse, right? Uh, I do that. She does that. For me, a lot of times it's come eat, but, you know, we, we text back and forth. Um, so with this point, I want to talk a little bit about smartphones. You don't text while you're sitting on the couch next to each other. That's right. Yeah, no, we don't do that. We're, we're not that millennial, right? <laughs> Great question. No, uh, she would probably kill me. So, uh, smartphones. If you don't have one, get one. Okay? Uh, I know most of us have them nowadays, but there are still people rocking the old dumb phones. Now, I say this carefully. Um, if, if there is a, if, if having a smartphone is going to cause you to stumble in other areas, then, then don't, right? But there are a lot of safety tools and things that you can get for your smartphone, and I would recommend having a smartphone so that you can interact with people. Because a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about um, is, is on your phone, right? Social media, texting, all that stuff. Um, it's it's with with your phone. Emailing. Uh, the reason I first got a smartphone was because the leadership in my church emailed. And if I wasn't at my computer that second, I wouldn't know about it until I got back into my office. So I said, I need to know what they're saying when they're saying it, right? Uh, and so for those reasons, uh, I would say get a smartphone. Calendar reminders. My wife and I have a calendar app that syncs, right? So if she, if she has an appointment, she puts it in there, and then I know about it immediately, Right, and if I remember, I put mine in there, and then we know about it immediately. Right? Uh, yeah, podcasts, sermons, social media—that's uh, all. That's all on there. Social media is where we're going next. Social media. Um, I believe it's essential for pastors to be on social media. In fact, I would argue that every Christian should be on social media. I believe that for two reasons. Right? Two reasons. Number one, your congregation is on social media. <laughs> Statistically, the majority of people sitting in the pews, either facing you or next to you, are on social media. Uh, as, as a pastor, I am to care for my sheep. I'm to shepherd the sheep. You can't shepherd the sheep if you're not in the pasture. Right? Where is the pasture? Increasingly, it's on social media. As Christians, we're to be encouraging, exhorting, building one another up, and bearing each other's burdens. You can't help others from a walled garden, right? If, if, you're, if you're over here, right, and everyone else is over there, and you're like, hey, I'm here for you, and there's a wall in between you, you're not going to be very effective. You need to be where they are. Where are people today? They are on social media. That's where we need to be to reach them. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to be consumed with it to the point that you're at the restaurant, you know, on your phone. No. Be intentional, right? Um, well, I know a guy who's doing uh, daily Facebook updates now. Right? <laughs> um, so... One interesting blessing um, that we have had personally is putting pictures of the trips when we drive out here. So we drive here from California. Uh, we've been doing it for like five or six years. Um, we, we drive out. And um, we just, you know, we put pictures on, on Facebook. 
And one year we got home and one of the ladies in the church said, wow, it was so cool going on your trip with you through the pictures. And we, now that wasn't why we were doing it. Now it is, right? Because we realized we stay more connected to our people when we're doing that, okay? When, when they, we, it's a way to let people into your life, okay? Uh, especially your church people. And if you're not a pastor, then, then the other people in the church, yeah. One of the warnings they gave us was, um, be careful as a pastor how many pictures you put because you're, you're basically telling people how much fun you're having without them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and that you may come back to find your stuff on the lawn. No, you, you had too much fun, sorry. No, <laughs> no it's a good point. I mean, because if you... I mean, it's hard to invite everybody to the church to every party you have or every gathering. Sure. But if certain people are consistently not there and they're seeing the Facebook posts, they're saying, we're not part of them. Great point. Great point. It, it can be um, it can be exclusive, right? Yeah, so so again, there's balance in this, right? Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you to live your life on social media, right, and put everything on there, right? Um, there's there's other other considerations with that. Right? For for example, the um, the making your brother stumble. Right? If you have a freedom and there's other people that don't have that freedom, and you're posting about it on social media, you can get yourself in trouble. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. I'm not a pastor. I'm a lay person. Sure. And I don't do much posting, but I observe. Yeah. And it saddens me how bad name they give Christ of things that so-called Christian. Great point. And so here's, that actually is exactly why the rest of us need to be posting. Here's what I mean. I, I know people who, one day it's obscenities and how horrible life is and all this stuff. And then the next day, oh, praise God, I got a new job, right? And everyone's like, oh, right. I wish they wouldn't post those type of things. But if they're the only Christians posting on social media, that's where the problem is. Those of us who aren't going to be doing that also need to be posting. Does that make sense? The other thing, too, is that as a pastor, sometimes I feel compelled to respond to those. Sure. But you have to do it privately. Don't post it on their wall. Yeah. If someone writes an obscenity-laced thing and you reply, well, how dare you, right there on their page, you just lost that person. Right? You, you, you respond to them. You can directly message them. Uh, respond uh, carefully. Good, good. Um, so that's the first reason your your congregation is on there. Your, your the fellow people in the pews are on there. But the second reason is your mission field is on social media. So not only are Christians there, non Christians are there. Right? Your mission field is on social media. Uh, around three fourths of millennials use their smartphone more than TV, computer, or a tablet. The number for Gen Z is even higher. Um, I know a young man who was saved by watching YouTube videos. That blows my mind, all right? Because I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm old enough to where I don't just browse YouTube. That's not something I do, but a lot of people do that. And he was curious about spiritual things. He was looking on YouTube. He heard some great preaching and he came to Christ. Now, here's the thing with what Tony Woods was sharing. There is a lot of bad stuff out there. That doesn't mean that we stay away from it. What it means is we put good stuff out there. Okay? Well-produced good stuff out there. Okay? So, uh, there, I know a lady um, who saved a young girl's life because she was on Snapchat. 
right? She's a teacher. She was on Snapchat. Her students were, were chatting with each other. And then one of them snapped her and said, hey, uh, we, were, we were talking with so-and-so, and all of a sudden she just quit responding. So the teacher called up the parents. They went up. She had OD'd and saved her life because she was on Snapchat. So some of us go, oh, all these things that these kids are using. We don't need to use them, right? You could literally save a life by being on these things, okay? Um, so to win people to Christ, we must be where the lost are. Where are they? Well, they're on social media. They're also in their houses and things like that. So again, I'm not telling you exclusively, this is the only way to reach people, right? I'm just saying we need to use the tools that we have. Can I interject? Absolutely. My wife is the social media person in our family, and she keeps track of what's going on in social media. It gets me out of that. Uh, so I'm not hooked into that all sure. the time. So uh, that's how we handle it in our family and, and in my ministry. Sure. As she takes care of that, and I take care of the rest of it. Sure. And and that's that's not a bad way to handle it. All right. Again, this is balance, and it's not me telling you what you need to do in your life and ministry. All right. Uh, that needs that's between you and Christ. I'm trying to make you aware that there are some tools out there that we need to tap into. Okay. Um, and so, one of the things that, um, that I do <laughs> to reach people is, uh, I write a devotional for our church, right? It's one page, uh, it's, it's fairly short, and one day I was like, you know, I could just video myself reading this, post it on Facebook. So I did, right? Less than three minutes, every single one of them, less than three minutes. I get about 50 to 100 people who watch them uh, every week, right? Um, <laughs> there's only 60 people in my church. And just recently, I found out that an unsaved guy, who I've known for years, watches those videos. I didn't expect that. That's not why I was doing that. But God can take something. So from, from writing that to posting it online takes me maybe 30 minutes. Right? 30 minutes to, to reach 100 people? I'll take that. Right? And it's not, it's something that, that um, so some of you are like, well, I, I wouldn't even know how to do that, Right? Trust me, there's people in your congregation who do. Say, hey, bring your phone over, video me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. It's going to be two or three minutes, and, uh, and you can do that, right? And reach people in that way. Um, uh, you can do scripture verses. Uh, most communities now have a Facebook page. It's, ours is Lockford 411, right? Be on that. Get on that page. You're going to hear what's going on in your community. Here's something that I do... Um, and, I, and I'll tell you why I did it. I started doing this because I said, I want to be visible to the community. Our church has been in the community for a very long time. It's had some negative history in the community. And so I want to be just something positive. So here's what I do. I take a picture of the sunrise, uh, if I'm up. Uh, I take a picture of the sunrise. All right, good morning, Lockford. Uh, looks like it's going to be a great day out there. God bless. I, I tag the church in it, and that's it. Right? I have had people I have never met come up to me in the grocery store and thank me for those, okay? I have, like, hundreds of people in our community uh, like these. That takes me, like, no time at all. I just take a picture, post it on the 411 page. We're visible as a church and, and me as the pastor. It's, it's not, it's, it's something very simple to do. Um, I have an app that I used uh, called Canva, and I make these, right? I made this myself. 
uh, in your packet, I got a link uh, to a video on how to do that, right? How to, how to use Canva to make these. So I made this one, Romans 5.1, just uh, put that out there. And this is a quote from uh, Dr. Schaefer um, that I made as well. Uh, and I just, I post those on, on Facebook um, and things like that. Uh, so I want to address streaming video, but I don't know anything about it. So Edwin's going to do that. <laughs> All right. I don't have any slides for you guys, but I did want to talk a little bit about it. So our church started live streaming because we had a, an elder at our church who was to the point where he couldn't move anymore. He could hardly talk and he couldn't really make it to church. And we had a camera. My um, my in-laws wanted to digitize their old VHS tapes into digital uh, video so that they could share it with each other and, and keep it. And so they had it laying around and I was like, well, I can throw a couple things together and start doing something. And so that's how our live streaming began at our church to serve one person um, didn't take much time, didn't take much effort. Really, the focus was so that he could hear the sermon and hear the congregation singing when we did hymns. Um, and so for you guys, it could be as simple as that, as a ministry to, to reach to your shut-ins, uh, to people who are home because they're not feeling well. Uh, we don't view live stream as a tool to reach our community. Now, that being said, there are people in our community who have watched our live stream and who've been able to be a fly on the wall and take a look um, if you're talking about millennials, right, people my age, they will visit your website, they will look to see if you have a live stream, and they will see what your service is like before they even take a step in your door, right? The website, your live stream, any content that you put out there is essentially your new front door. Yeah. Um, and so no one, um, not many people that I know will go to a website and, and make a beeline to your doctrinal statement. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't have it up there. I'm just saying that's not where they go to first. They want to see what ministries you have. They want to see what content you have put out and what quality it is. And they want to see if this is somewhere where will serve their needs. All right? So just to kind of take a step back to, to, to the website aspect of things, yeah. it's, it's vital uh, for you to, to invest in that. And it could be very simple, um, but you want it to not only be... Uh, look good, but you want it to be able to work on different platforms. Most people search the internet now on their cell phones. So you need to have a website that they'll be able to see uh, from their phone as well as from a computer, laptop, desktop, whatever it is. Same thing goes with your live streaming. Most people will watch on their phone, not on a computer, not on a TV. So something simple that you can do to get started is whether you use YouTube or Facebook or whatever platform you want, those two happen to be free. Uh, you can get a phone, set it up in front of you know where the person is speaking, and that'll capture at least something. Um, if you're doing it that way, I don't recommend that you leave it up beyond about a week so that as people are searching, they don't find it. Um, if you're looking to invest into your live streaming uh, for your congregation and for people to, to see as well, um, you know, you can start pretty inexpensively, but it can get expensive really fast. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed um, last night, but you can also get a lot of technical difficulties <laughs> in, in route. Um, there is one uh, resource that I totally spaced on, so I don't know if it's on there, but I want you guys to write it down. It's called Ballast Media, B-A-L-L-A-S-T-M-E-D-I-A, -L -L -E -E and... Um, this gentleman essentially works for a much larger church. Uh, 
and Ballast Media. It's B A L L A S T, and then the word media. Okay. And uh, they do great tutorials on how to do technological things within your church. Um, so if you have questions about how to do something very specific, they're a great place to go, and they usually have the fix for you. Well, if you uh, put a camera in front of everything and, and uh, live stream the whole service, mm-hmm. are you allowed to run into copyright issues if you're using songs? That, that is a great question. So hopefully all of you guys are paying for CCLI to be able to do music live at your church. That only covers live performances. That does not cover live stream. So one of the things that you'll want to do is call CCLI back and say, hey, we are wanting to live stream. And based off of the size of your congregation, they will charge you a certain amount. Uh, we had to do it for this event uh, this week, and they charged us about $100, and that was, that's going to be good for the whole year. Um, you want to be uh, good stewards of, of um, other people's resources, right? We don't want to be stealing, uh, right? So people actually get paid off of those dues. It doesn't just stay with CCLI. So that's great. Uh, that's the answer I was after. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I was going to cover that, so thanks for reminding me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you're using non-church music, there's actually a different license for that. Um, I forget the name of the company. I believe it's CSC. Um, but if for some reason you decide that you wanted to use like a secular video clip or a secular song for whatever reason... Um, CCLI does not cover that. You have to go through a different company, and you have to pay them um, to be able to, to use that material. So just be aware of that. Um, going back to PowerPoint, usually people use PowerPoint for music. Yeah. Um, most churches do a really bad job of putting the uh, copyright information on the slides. They have to be on the slides somewhere. You have to give credit to the person who wrote the song, the name of the song, the uh, publisher, and the year that it was written. And that needs to be in at least one of the slides per song. Um, and so if you then put those slides on the internet, it'll already have that on there and you'll be covered. So that's important to know. Uh, our church went ahead and invested in the ProPresenter software. Mm-hmm. I think it was about $500 and we've had to renew once, I think, for $100. They directly link with CCLI. Mm-hmm. So when you pull in the lyrics from Song Select, it populates the copyright information automatically on the title screen. To begin. Yeah, ProPresenter is a great tool. Some churches you know, will invest in that. Others will just have someone in their congregation type out the lyrics and put it in PowerPoint. Regardless of which direction you go, it's important that you have that information on at least one of the slides per song. Um, so going back to streaming. Sorry. No, yeah, go for it. Um, Right. Philosophically, you have to decide how you're going to use that uh, tool. Are you are you using it to try to reach a lot of people? And if you are, then you also want to think through a, a marketing strategy as to how you're going to get this um, video stream in front of people. That sounds very strange because we're not market we're not marketers. We're we're pastors. We're leaders in our churches. However, if if your goal is to get this video in front of as many people as possible, you're going to have to think through how you're going to do that. Now, if you're going to use it to serve your church body for people who, I mean, in our church, people who go on vacations, they will tune in um, from the beaches in Florida 
and watch our servers, and then send me a text message of a picture of them watching it. I don't really particularly uh, enjoy getting those pictures, but it happens from time to time. Um, or other times it's when they have a child that's sick and they have to stay home. I know my wife's used it a couple times for that reason. Uh, other times it's people who are just homebound. They, they can't leave the, the house anymore. Uh, we've had people who were in hospice who, who will tune in. Um, people who've had to move away uh, from our church body because of work. And, you know, they miss the people and they love to see the congregation uh, during our time of, of fellowship. And they love to hear the congregation when they're singing. Um, and so they do that on their own time later on in the week after they've gone to their own church. Um, and so you also want to think through how are we going to let our church body know that, that this is available. Um, some people will hand out flyers, put it in their bulletin, uh, make sure there's a link on their website. And, you know, continually every month or every other week. Let their congregation know during announcements, hey, don't forget, we have a live stream. You know, if you can't make it for whatever reason, make sure that you tune in. Uh, you know, so that way they're also staying, um, keeping pace with the, with the rest of the congregation as you're marching through whichever book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So, great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah um. It's something that I'd love to do is live stream. We're not there yet. Um, but one time when we had a sick kid, uh, Jess was like, hey, can you put, just do your phone real quick and, and do something? I did that. And we had well over 100 people look at it. And I was like, wow, we really need to uh, start doing this um, uh, as live streaming. So it's a, it's a great tool um, that we can be using. So one more area that I want to talk about, and then we'll, we'll take questions. And that is um, personal growth. Using technology and personal growth. Um, earlier, I mentioned the necessity of a smartphone. This is one of the biggest reasons. Uh, I use my phone to help me get fed spiritually. Used wisely, a smartphone and apps can aid in spiritual mature, maturity. I have, uh, I used to have 10 podcasts, but then I talked to Edwin, and now I added to my collection that I listen to. So I've got like, I don't know, 14 or 15 podcasts that I listen to. Um, and I have some of them in the packet that I gave you. And uh, I listen to those. Some of those I listen to because I agree with them and it's really encouraging. Other ones I listen to so that I know what's going on in the theological world. Some of them light me up and get me fired up and, and, and irritated. Uh, other ones are, are just for, for resources for family and, and things like that. Um, the other thing that I do, as I mentioned, is I listen to sermons. Uh, I listen to guy, the guys I know. I love hearing my IFCA brothers preach. I just, I love that. I really enjoy that. So I listen to the guys in my regional. I listen to the guys in the, in the broader uh, IFCA. And uh, there's there's reading plans, Bible reading plans that you can access through apps. There's uh, articles that you can access uh, through apps. And so it's just a really a really great tool. Uh, again, if we use it correctly. So the podcasts that you have there um, are just uh, for you to, to use or, or not to use uh, on the list, how you see fit. Uh, if you, There's one on there called uh, On Script. It's one that I normally disagree with. If anyone wants to listen to it and then we can talk about it, that, w- that would be fun. It's, it's a hard one. It's very academic. Uh, I normally disagree with the guys, but it's really interesting if, if, that's, your, if that's your bent. Uh, it, it can be an interesting one to listen to. All right, questions. So that, so that, that um, podcast is not recommended by, by you unless you want to... Yeah, unless you want to get fired up and irritated about things that are going on. Oh, and it's irritating. I had Evan listen to it. Oh, <laughs> it was rough. I was... Yeah, it can yeah. be... A, 
It can be one of those ones that you want to stop and start writing letters to people. Yes. Yeah. Seth. Uh, I don't know if you've looked into this. Um, I've tried to research it extensively, and that is the use of YouTube video in a worship service, especially when an offering is taken. So, it's a sketchy area. I, I've only looked into it a tiny bit um, because it came up recently. Um, and I'm going to, all I can really tell you is it's kind of a gray area. There hasn't really been anything established. One rule of thumb would be if it's going to be a copyrighted song, um, you know, at the end of it, throw up the, the CCLI thing, uh, just so that now a lot of songs are in the public domain, uh, that they'll do like, if it's amazing grace, uh, it's public domain. You're, you're not going to get into a lot of trouble with that. Um, another recommendation that I would have is if you have enough advanced warning, maybe write the, the person that posted it or the guy who, who's in the video and say, Hey, uh, we were thinking of using this in a church service. Is that okay? There isn't, um, as of right now, to my knowledge, there is not any set rules on whether or not you can use a YouTube thing in there. They are talking about it, um, and there may be soon. Um, yeah. So on social media, um, <laughs> different platforms for different demographics. Yes. Sorry, I meant to mention that. So, I knew you would. So I have Facebook. Here's the problem with Facebook. Um, I'll just say it. it's not very kind, but old people are on it, right? So you know where the young people have gone? Not to Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're on various other things, WhatsApp, uh, lots of different things. I have uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Okay? And I have LinkedIn, but I rarely use that. Okay? So I have all of those. Facebook I use primarily um, so that family and our church can see pictures and, and videos and things like that. Instagram, a lot of my college friends uh, and, and things like that, they're on Instagram. I want to connect with them and their families and other younger people. Twitter, right now, most of the people I have on Twitter are other pastors, um, but I am slowly connecting with other people, some I don't even know, who will start following me um, and, and things that I post. Snapchat is really the, the younger people. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Snapchat confused me to no end when I first started using it. it it's still weird to me. But I do use it because um, my wife and I, our youngest siblings, um, are on there, and and, uh, and we can connect. Aaron. Just, my daughter hates Snapchat, so she'll do Instagram. Yeah, so she'll do Instagram. A lot of people, um, uh, I don't want to get into, into trouble uh, with generalizations, but in general, a lot of times it's um, a, a lot more women that will use Instagram, it seems like. It's, it's something, it's very visual, uh, and, uh, and so it's, it seems to connect well with with them it's pictures basically so here's the difference if you're wondering what's the difference between facebook and instagram facebook you can you can post um words and and things like that um where instagram it's only pictures that's that's you can write a brief description about it but what you're going to see on instagram is the picture um all of these now all these platforms have live streaming they uh, that you can do they all have all these different things again the goal is so what's our goal? Why are we talking about this? Right? To reach people. And this is where they are. So if, if in your uh, area there's something that's used more than others, use that. Right? If, if, in, if in your church everyone's on Facebook, great. Then you're good. Connect with them on Facebook. Um, if you want to say, look, I just want to focus on a certain demographic and I want my youth guy to, to do the younger people, great. I would still recommend as the pastor, the senior pastor or whatever, to be visible on these other platforms. That's always, always a great idea. Uh, all right, anyway, other questions? Yeah. 
Um, there's a pastor who posts um, when he gets uh, some people baptized in his church, and his Facebook is accessible to uh, many other people. And yeah. there are people who like, oh, they are from the same, um, their church is growing. At the same time, there are other people, like uh, in my country, most of uh, the majority will be um, Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And when it is kind of like um, uh, when we write our names, it is uh, pretty uh, easily identified that he is a Baptist background or the other ethnic background. Also, when uh, he write uh, like the the, the Baptist people are uh, getting uh, baptism. And a lot of people uh, do not like it. Okay. So in that case, how do you think that is it so, was to use uh, If you're posting pictures of other people, <coughs> right, and, and that, if let me clarify, that was your question, right? If And they don't want you to, to put their name on there or uh, something? No, the, the people will be afraid, but uh, the, the other people who see these pictures, okay. we think that it is very good for us to that uh, people are seeing. Uh, all I'm posting my and all my IFCA friends yeah. see that oh, Kai is doing a great job. Sure. On the other hand, on the, the other Buddhist people saw me that uh, I baptized the Burmese people, and so it's so. <laughs> that is a tough one. That's because that's going to really depend on what is going to be more beneficial to you and your ministry. That's right. right. My guess also. Uh, the CBI in India, they're running after me. Okay. I'm being reported, this man get money from America and buy the Hindu people and convert to Christianity. Mm. Here's the baptism program. They sent it to the CBI, call me. Okay. Yeah, okay. In the headquarters. You must come and appear in the court. That's what I said. Yeah. That, what, I did is, what I did is not against their will. It's sure. The in these things. So I made a lot of, you know, this time also, they wanted to wanted to make a web base of our ministry so everybody can see and sure. know more about it. But I scared to do that. I don't sure. do it because of restriction. Sure. They Absolutely. had a lot of my background, every name, Langkantang, they, yeah. they knew everything. I don't need to tell them who am I, where I'm from. Sure. They explained to me. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. So they call me and even now also they are watching me yeah. all the time. So you my can up my coming okay. in yeah, and that's a real concern. Yeah. You know, in in some of these countries where um, there's more antagonism to the gospel than there is here, you can you got to be careful, right? Yeah. And so you can do a private Facebook account, you can do a private Instagram account to where only people you approve can see what you're posting, um, and so that's one way to handle it. Uh, but if if you know they're going to be watching you and it's going to cause it's going to be a detriment to your ministry. Don't do it. Brother, your your ministry is, is primary, right? Yeah. And this is only useful as it enhances your ministry. And if it ceases to enhance your ministry, chuck it, right? Then you're going to use a, a, a plastic drum to baptize people, let them sit, and yeah. not to publicize outside. When we yeah. baptize them in the river or in somewhere, you know, what people come to know, hey, they're making up. A conversion uh, yeah. over here. Yeah. So a lot of volunteers and they try to destroy our work and you know, Absolutely. a lot of problems where they get beaten up. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. What so, time I baptized four people in the village, uh, in the town, then spread up. Mm. Uh, yeah. Then they caught us up and beaten up. Yeah. And now so, what we do is that we bought a drum, put it inside the missionary's house, baptized them and sit inside. Yeah. That, that right. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. Then, and so again, different context. You're going to have context. to use these tools differently. It's a good, I don't know the answer to this, but how's the ISA doing at this kind of thing? And if I wanted to listen to a message here at this convention, could I go online later and do that? It's a great question. And I can answer that because I'm the one working on it. <laughs> so all the general sessions are available on Facebook uh, over live stream. Okay. The uh, breakout sessions are all being recorded. There's a little tape recorder up in the front. And uh, I don't know when they're going to make those available, but my understanding is that they sell them. Yeah. Um, it's usually about in the back of your book is an order form for recordings. Yeah. Okay. Usually about a month after the convention over. It takes a while to copy them. Yeah. As as far as the how's the ISA doing with social media and all these kinds of things, we're getting better. Yeah. But here's I want to kind of go all the way back to websites. Um, and I want to say this as carefully as I can. But I've been on a lot of our IFCA church websites just out of curiosity. And some of them are awful. Okay, um, We've got to do better. Why do we have to do better? Because that's where people are going. And so, so if you need to, to bring someone in to help you out, please do that. My website at my church needs to be updated. It's already outdated. It's, we've only had it for like five or six years, but it's, I, it needs re- reworked. Right? So that's something that's on our list of stuff that we've got to get done. Yeah. One of the things about websites, you need to keep updating the content. Yes. People won't come back. It's just like, <laughs> yes. it's like the bulletin boards in your church that have been like the same info for five years. Yeah. People just walk by them. Yeah. But, but the issue about uh, social media and texting, we have to be really careful with our children and our youth. Yes. Um, about workers or about adults connecting with them. And Great point. We, we need to be careful in how we, we put into our volunteer applications not to contact them unless, you know, we just have to really think through that so that we don't give uh, predators an opportunity. Definitely. Group group text. Yeah, if you're writing kids, group text only would be what I'd say. Right. And I think, like, what he's more thinking of for younger kids is still adults. Yeah, the, like, sorry, the, the younger guy that I'm texting is an adult. That is, that is definitely true. When he presented this at the core retreat, someone yeah. he works with youth, and he's like, Here's something that you have to yeah. be careful. Yeah. So it's different depending on the age of those. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, these kids they they love their youth leaders. And yes. The youth leaders see it as an opportunity. I mean, I get some of the young people texting me Bible questions, and I'm like, and after I said it, I should I should have added somebody to that text. Yeah, and and a lot of times, um, as much as they may or may not like it, add their parents. If you if you have their their parents' texting. Add them on it. That's what I was going to say. That's exactly what that um, man d- does because he's a youth pastor. So he adds the parents of the child or he doesn't text them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish that I could tell you, oh, we don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. But we do, uh, obviously, uh, if you look in, in the world around us. we got to be careful with that. Um, any other questions on any, any of the stuff we covered? Yeah. If you had to invest it more in one than the other as a church, would you go Facebook or website? Website, absolutely. When I said a website is essential, I mean that. It's, it's, a, it's as essential as having a meeting place in, in our day and age. Um, now, I will clarify that with this statement. 
depending on your demographic, it could be slightly less important. It's still, I think, vital because, like I said, we've got a global outreach just by having a website. But there are um, bubbles in, in the U.S. where you're in a really rural area, uh, and, and it may, you know, you might want to invest in something else first. But I would still say you need a web presence. Uh, it's 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 really important because um, when we're talking about the younger generation, as I loved how Edmund put it, it's the front door, right? Um, <laughs> when when we got a bunch of new people in our church, most of them that came in were like, "Oh yeah, we've read everything on your website." Um, that was the first time I'd actually experienced that, and I was kind of like, oh. And then it got, this is what happens in my head. What do we have on there, right? <laughs> because as was mentioned, if, if one of the only things you have on your website is the video of the kids' play from 2005, the young people aren't coming to your church. But with that, because um, keep, you keep saying younger people, the, the newer group of people who are coming to our church are not younger. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they still checked us out. It's still important, and we have people, you know, just ministering to our congregation that still get on during the week and stuff like that. We're in our 50s, and the first thing we have to we get a phone book is it goes in our cycle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It helps to know a little bit about your community. Sure. We work in Elbow Lake, Minnesota, which is an Indian community. I had 26 kids at the first vacation Bible school. Only six of them even lived with one biological parent. Yeah. None of them lived with both biological parents. They're, and, and yet, at the same time, we wanted to get those kids together. You didn't send postcards. You didn't do door hangers. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. They're all on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we do with our community Facebook page is um, if we're having a play at the church or we're having a program at the church, we post it on yeah. Um Know your community, right? You want to get to know your community pretty quickly? Get on their 411 page. It's a cyclic thing. You start out with what you know about the community, put it out there, and then pay attention to what comes back and learn more about the community. So it is a cycle of learning. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Any last questions before the ceiling falls in on us? It's tripping. Anyway, any last questions? Thank you all so much for coming.